This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Cross Body of Work. My name is Evan. I am Javier. This week we continue with Japanuary, and we are looking at one of the three musketeers from New Japan. These are oh, the yeah. OG musketeers, right? Um, no, I think I think he was a part of the second wave. Ooh, okay, because they they do kind of have these waves of musketeers. Yeah, he's a, he's definitely one of the big three of the nineties. I can tell you that much. The other Musketeers, Chono, Muda, but this one, we're talking about Shinya Hashimoto. Yes, we are. The Hoss of the group. Hoss Month and Japanuary collide in a beautiful thing. It's just, it's, it's poetry in motion. You love to see it. There's definitely a lot of motion. Uh, I can tell you that much. It's all about the motion of the ocean here. For for uh, Shinya Hashimoto, this man is a treasure. I wish I knew about him sooner. <laughs> this, I uh, I immediately uh, when we were running through the the possible people to to put on this, um, I I just remember asking you to 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 go through and and look at Shinya Hashimoto because you know as I was going through the New Japan people, I, I didn't want to be like, oh, we're throwing Okada in here. Yeah, Okada's getting a three-parter. We know this. Yeah, Okada's getting a three-parter. I feel like Chono is a little too important to throw directly in here. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, Shinya Hashimoto, he's in that sweet spot where, like, if we want to tack on another spot down the road, we probably could. But uh, it's also fine to leave as a one-parter. And so I, I, I threw it to you for an opinion. And you immediately Googled him, saw him in a headband uh, and, and, and the roles, and we're like, yep, that's the one. That is my guy. The second I saw him, I even Googled what the, the headband is called. It's called a Hachimaki. Oh. Like tied headband with the red sun on the front. Yeah, it's a Hachimaki. I was like, that my dude. I just noticed the De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> that's, that's also true. Uh, this is also the first recording because we, again, peek behind the curtain. We record on Thursdays normally. Sometimes Fridays, usually Thursdays. Uh, so this is our first recording since the tragic passing of Jay Briscoe, and I felt like we needed to talk about it. And Javier, you are our resident Ring of Honor guy. Just speak on Jay Briscoe. Yeah, um, look, man, Jay Briscoe, uh, Jim Pugh, you know, it's it's tragic uh, what happened in there. Um, you know, I believe it was a it was a car accident. Yeah, just truly, just really, really unfortunate. I'm. Glad that no other details have come out on it because honestly, I don't know if I'm ready to hear if any more tragic events have happened with that family because this is already as tragic as it needs to go. Um, but not Jay Briscoe, man. You know, him and his brother Mark, the Briscoe boys, uh, it, it's really unfortunate, but it's it's true what they said top five dead or alive. It sucks that 
uh, that last part has now become relevant to, to the statement, but it's true. Top five tag team, regardless of company, dead or alive. I, I wholeheartedly believe that the Briscoes are there. Yeah. Um, as a singles performer, excellent. One of the best of his generation. Um, you just look at the guys now that 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 are top guys in the industry. Seth Rollins, um, is Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Those are three guys just off the top of my head who absolutely would not be where they are right now without Jay Briscoe. Seth, Seth Rollins, Tyler Black, when he uh, came out uh, with Age of the Fall and Jimmy Jacobs, what was the big uh, the big uh, moment that that really catapulted that duo was when they crucified Jay Briscoe. Yeah, um, you know Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, the tag match, I believe it was two thousand and seven. Uh, one of the final battles, I think it was. Uh, they they had a t- a tag team match against. Uh, the Briscoes, which was really one of the matches that put El Generico and Kevin Steen on the map. Uh, a personal favorite of mine, which is like, I, I still to this day regret it. It's one of the highlights of back in 2015 when I went back to, you know, follow in the independent stuff that I had missed um, in the time that I was away from wrestling. Uh, 2013, I believe it's Supercard of Honor. Uh, it was the main event was Jay Briscoe against Kevin Steen for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Yeah, this was Kevin uh, Steen had been champion for some like 800 plus days, I think, at that point. Um, and, you know, it was it, he was the leader of scum, which was the dominant heel faction in Ring of Honor. They were just terrible. Briscoe had been there from day one with Ring of Honor. And uh, it was just an amazing moment. And when he hit the J, J driller to win it. Uh, I just remember popping like crazy, just watching it. Uh, you see his dad come into the ring. You see his, I believe it's his son. Uh, you see his daughter and you're just like, oh my God. Um, and I don't know if you read uh, the the letter that Kevin Owens tweeted out yesterday, yep, yep. but you know, it's, he's one of those guys, man. Uh, the, the squad rolls deep, like him and Mark are very close. That family's really close. One of the best things was seeing uh, whenever he'd post about his daughter, um, I remember seeing it back during the pandemic, but a couple of days ago, uh, someone also posted, like reposted the video of him just doing his cheer, his daughter's cheer routine with her so she could <laughs> practice, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the Briscoes, everything that has just been said um, about Jay and Mark as well during this time is just like, this was a hell of a guy. Like yeah. he was, he radiated positivity, radiated good vibes, all this stuff, like um and, and it's just it sucks because you know it's it's one thing when people say that but when it's the good people of wrestling you know your kevin steens yeah. your sammy zanes you know people like that saying it like that that says a lot it about carries who you are it carries a lot of weight and it's one of these situations where it's sudden it's surprising yeah. no one could prepare for it and you just you just feel bad for his, his wife and his kids and his brother, like you got to feel bad for Mark. It was Mark's yes. birthday either today or yesterday. I don't remember what it was, you know. So, the, and I believe he turned thirty-eight, yeah, thirty-seven, somewhere in that range. Um, it, it sucks. I mean, Mark, Mark lost three things in one. He lost his brother, he lost his best friend, and he lost his tag team partner. Yeah, you know, like, and yeah, you know, you you could have a career after this, but you can't have a brother anymore. You know, it's true. And, and is it the same? You know, it's like, not. It's not. It honestly wouldn't shock me if you retired. Yeah. Uh, just just because like to me, like what's it's hard to go back to something and have that passion when the person that you had that passion of doing it with is just not around to do it anymore. 
um, you know, it's it's the it's the uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov thing. You know, he didn't want to do it anymore after his father passed because yeah. he his father was there from the beginning, um, and he didn't, so he retired. Yeah. I uh, I saw something floating around, and I think it's very simple. And it's obviously, like you you want to support the family and make sure everything is good. But somebody suggested a like an ROH Crockett Cup, essentially named yeah. after the Briscoes or Jay specifically. And like that sounds yeah. like the least that the wrestling world could do. Yeah, I know that we're doing gave a... tons of blood and sweat and tears and hours and miles and bumps for a business yeah. and for the entertainment of tons of people. Yeah, and I, I know that Ring of Honor, um, after the Dynamite taping last night, Tony Khan held a, a Ring of Honor tribute show for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they taped one after that. And I know it's going to be free on YouTube as well as on Honor Club, Yeah, uh, all that stuff. And, and I, I'm really excited to see that. Me too. It was a really cool touch yesterday. Um, I'm pretty sure, I think it was everyone, but I don't I know, at least most people uh, wore a, a, an armband arm with Jay's yeah. name on it. Um, the the young bucks pulled out a doomsday device in their match with top, with top flight, which was really a cool touch. Uh, especially the the points up to the sky as they were doing it. Um, just overall, man, it's it sucks. You know, you're seeing everyone from every corner of the wrestling business coming out, you know, and saying like, uh, "Rest in peace, Jay Briscoe." You saw it on NXT. On NXT, Shawn Michaels switched everything up. Um, yeah, especially uh, with the main event and and things like that. Um, just because of the passing, um, they, they mentioned it on commentary as well. And, you know, it's, it's such a, it's also such a little thing that you're like, of course we should. And there was this, there was a time before where you could mention other people in other companies. Like you think of the brain mentioning, uh, gorillas passing on commentary in WCW. Like then there was this weird era where you couldn't mention things. And it's like, no, we like, we're so far past that. We're so interconnected as like a wrestling world that just, you got to acknowledge when things like that happen. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's obviously AEW is always going to do it, but it, it's one of those things where if you're WWE, there, there are guys all over the locker room, guys and girls all over the locker room who not only like wrestled Jay Briscoe, but had good relationships yeah. with Jay Briscoe. Real standing you know? relationships with him. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he's, he's one of the good ones, man. It, it's, it sucks that, that this happened. Obviously, you know the it, it's really unfortunate that he never had a chance to get a run with any of the the you know with WWE or with AEW. I do not want to go into why that's the case. I will yeah. just let uh, everyone else form their own opinions on that one. But I, I wholeheartedly believe that a guy like that getting this much praise from this many good people, I'm not going to call him a hateful person or anything of the sorts because I just refuse to believe that for a guy who's been so good to so many people. Um, but yeah, Jay Briscoe, man, it's, he, it's like I said, I, I personally think he's the greatest ring of honor competitor of all time. I think when you look at the entire body of work, he's a multiple time ring of honor world champion. He's a part of the greatest tag team that company has ever had. Um, and just the fact that he was there from the first show to, uh, it's, it's most recent show. It, it shows a lot as to not just the longevity of this guy, but, uh, just how impactful he's been to that company. He was he was the top guy in multiple different eras. Um, it sucks that he's gone, uh, but you know he he's someone that that will always I think be remembered because the guys like that they become icons. It's true. Uh, we're gonna take a break. When we get back, we will dive into the career of Shinya Hashimoto. How do you make a vacation last? 
How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Back from the break, let's dive in to this big, beefy Japanese boy, Shinya Hashimoto. 511 287 listed there's no way this man wasn't near 300 at some of these matches i yeah. refuse to believe it especially towards the middle part of this yeah no he'd way. get beefy in the middle uh mentioned he's one of the three musketeers with uh chono and muda he trained at the new japan dojo in april 1984 debuted in november of the same year our first match is looking at him in 1989 he is in the Finals of a tournament for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. It had been vacated, and he is going up against another big boy, a Haas Month original, Big Van Vader. Did you know this show, which is called Battle Satellite in Tokyo Dome, is the first ever major wrestling show of the Tokyo Dome? Really? Yeah. 1989 was the first major wrestling show at Tokyo. And I don't know what they consider major based on the research I did. Maybe it's just New Japan's first show there. But okay. yeah, this show. It also is the show with Jushin Thunder Liger's debut in New Japan. Oh fuck! What a show, right? <laughs> this is a, this is an iconic show, and yeah. and it's, I assume this is the headline because it's the finals. I believe there's a match after it, actually. Okay, well, if this is if this is what headlines, and good for fucking Shinya Hashimoto. It is not the headliner. It's actually tenth on a fourteen match card. Oh shit! The the headliner was a, a name I'm not going to be able to pronounce. Shota Choshivili defeated Inoki by knockout in a no-rope martial arts match for the WWF World Martial Arts Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, that sounds very on-brand for Antonio Inoki. That sounds like a Mad Lib, too. So let's talk about the tournament bracket because I love, me, I love dissecting a bracket. To get to the finals, Vader defeated Chono and Tatsumi Fujinami. So those are two huge names of Japanese Fuck. Wrestling. Our boy Hashimoto defeated Riki Choshu and Victor Zangief. Do you know Victor Zangief? That name sounds very familiar. Here's why. He's the inspiration for the Zangief character in Street Fighter. <laughs> a man who a wrestler who was the absolute inspiration for Zangief. <laughs> Just because you are a bad guy does not mean you are a bad guy. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that we. I I didn't know he existed, and now I want a three parter on him. You uh, might honestly, we might just completely remodel this podcast after. <laughs> it's just about him. Uh, what did you think of this match? Um, I thought that well, how Hashimoto is probably not super long into his career by this point. He's about he's about four and a half years in now. Yeah, uh, and Vader is is probably not not too far in as well and, and uh, it, it shows kind of in their style um you can tell they don't really have a lot of chemistry with each other but man i mean it's it's a quick one it, this is probably like a what 11 12 minute match that i think, it's, I think it clocks in at uh just under 10 yeah oh wow um and, and yeah i mean it's it's a battle of uh one guy doing his best and one guy just throwing straight rights 
Yeah. Also want to talk a little bit. I forgot to mention that the way that the three musketeers came together was because they formed while doing some excursions and they actually formed in Puerto Rico in the World Wrestling Council. That's kind of where they got together, uh, Masahiro Chono and Kajimuro. Puerto Rico también, cabrón. Sure. I thought you were about to shout out Carlito for some fucking reason. Uh, no. Other places that Hashimoto did excursions were continental wrestling in U.S. and stampede wrestling in Canada. Which Continental wrestling. I feel like Hashimoto would have been a fucking draw in Calgary. They would have just never seen anybody like him before. Can you imagine what Stu would have done with that guy? I don't Stu, even know. Stu would have been like, I can take him. Also, during that time period, he might have he might have locked it up with Brett up there in Calgary. I hope he did. Um, this is a an interesting era for Vader too because he doesn't have the iconic Vader mask. He is just like no. a more generic black mask. He's got like a freaking uh, what's an executioner mask? Yeah, it's it's very similar to executioner mask. Uh, Hashimoto has a look, and he sticks with it for ten years. <laughs> He's got like. A weird scruffy kind of haircut. In this match, he has a scruffy beard that he gets rid of for the remainder. Which I thought was a mistake. (laughs) He gets the hachimaki, which is the the tied headband around the front. And he has long, flared black and red pants that he does not change. Doesn't matter if it's a special occasion. Like, he'd be the worst for, like, WrestleMania tires. They'd be like, oh, what are you doing for special tires? He's like, black pants. (laughs) Black pants. And they have to be flared. So much flair, a flair for the gold. Um, a lot of rolls, you know, early headlock. There's a big spinning back fist that catches Hashimoto and he kind of stumbles. Vader does some ground and pound. You're right, it's just a lot of just like lockups and huge swings. Yeah, Vader does a headlock early down. This is like an early era UFC heavyweight fight where they're like, fuck it, hell yeah, one of us is going down straight up. No, uh, Vader does a headlock. Uh, takedown, and then at one point Hashimoto gets him up, and they're 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 doing a little bit of a strike exchange. And Vader, in a hurry, is just like, just comes off the ropes, and instead of like doing like a lariat or, or some sort of power move, he's just like fuck it, straight right hand. <laughs> he hits some of the nastiest right hand. He connects for sure on these. Like these are legit punches. There is, it's not this one, but there's one in this match. One later, like, he genuinely could have just knocked that man out. <laughs> Uh, Hashimoto gets gets a hammerlock at one point. He kind of powers Vader down to the ground for a two count. Vader responds after some kicks with a forearm to the forehead. He just yes. clubs him. Just absolutely fucks that dude up. Um, at one point, Vader hits a corner splash for a near fall. Uh, Vader, he, he misses a uh, corner splash. Hashimoto just starts wrenching at the arm. Starts pulling it a little bit. Then he throws on a Kimura, which would be a trend for Hashimoto, I will say. He loves a Kimura. Loves a Kimura. Loves it from any position, too. He'll get it to you on the ground. He'll give it to you while standing. He'll give it to you hunched over a little bit. He doesn't give a fuck. Uh, Vader, it's a scoop slam. Uh, And then it's it's cool here because Hashimoto gets up and Vader comes off the ropes with a drop kick. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good drop kick. Listen, Vader's a very agile guy, but you just don't really fucking... It, it's just... It's weird, because my brain is wired to think, oh, a guy like Vader's size, and no offense, a white guy of Vader's size, you know, he's probably not as athletic, because I have seen way too many people of that size not be athletic. Uh, and then Vader just comes through, hits a picture-perfect drop kick, and, and just keeps it moving. 
You know what I realized? I just did a little research. This title win by Vader is only the fourth title reign in the IWGP Championship's history at this point. Oh, my God. Now, well, admittedly, the IWGP title in that in duration of the belt um, probably only really came along sometime in the early 80s, and then Minoki held it first. So, Minoki got, got this, IW, like the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, this exact belt. Yeah. He only got it in June of 1987, before oh. there was a different title belt, I guess. Uh, there was an early version of the championship, which was called... Uh, which was like the original IWGP it was introduced in yeah. three and was won by Hulk Hogan, unfortunately, <laughs> but Anoki got it. He vacated it because he fractured his foot. Fujinami got it by defeating Vader for the vacant title and then lost it because of a no contest in a title defense against Riki Choshu. Fujinami won it back by defeating Choshu and then it was vacated so it could be in this tournament. And that's where we're at. So no wonder this was like the first major wrestling show in the Tokyo Dome. It's only the fourth time that there's been an IWGP heavyweight champion. Yeah. These belts, man. These belts, every single time a new belt is introduced in Japan, they go crazy. Like the U.S. belt was a big deal. The Intercontinental belt back in, I think it was 2012 was when it was introduced. That belt was fucking major. Uh, That that, that got a lot of, of praise over there in Japan. Um, Obviously, it was mostly because Nakamura held it. But yeah. <laughs> but still... Um, but yeah, no, every time they introduce a new belt, that thing is freaking hot for a very long it time. It matters. Yeah. So yeah, Kimura's Vader reverses uh, by scoop slamming Hashimoto. That's how he gets out of the, <laughs> the thing, which is great. Uh, then Vader goes to the top rope. Hashimoto hits a like the spinning heel crescent kick to knock him off. Gets another Kimura armbar style move. No, that's a Juju Katani. He put on oh, a Juju Katani on that motherfucker. Yeah. Shot to Taz. We get to the finish. Clubbing blows by Vader for a two count up. Big ass clothesline. Vader is the fourth ever IWGP champion. That there's a there was a straight right right before the clothesline that literally it just knocks down Hashimoto. Yeah. And I was like, he's knocked him out. Yeah. He has genuinely knocked his ass out. This is not the most entertaining match, but if you want to see two beefy boys beat the shit out of each other, we have given it to you. We have provided. This is the one. The dudes <laughs> provide. You know, with these Japanuary matches so far, we have we have just been like, oh yeah, we're 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 just gonna, you know, we we don't have to talk about the match because if we go move for move, we'll be here all day. A Hashimoto matches make it very easy to go move for move because there's, there's just not very many of them. There's lots of rests or or guys are down or we'll talk about the mat work later. Let's move on to our second match. It is against. Fellow musketeer, Masahiro Chono, New Japan Battlefield, January 4th, 1994, for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Hashimoto was in his first reign, having beaten Great Muda in September of 93. Hashimoto has shaved. It is a poor decision, according to Javier. I Look, man, I just think if you have that round of a face... You gotta have some facial hair. It, it's it's not even mostly just that. It's, it's more the fact that... There are just some human beings that are very unlucky, and more so, it looks like their face is kind of like a an oval, but but like on its side. So yeah. like their head is like a little longer or, or wider, wider than, than it is yeah. long. And it's it's he's one of those people, unfortunately. And I just feel like if you're like that, you just gotta have facial hair, man. You know what my unfortunate, it out. You know what my unfortunate thing is, aside from my giant forehead, 
The reason my forehead is so giant is because my face is not that long or that wide. My head is just deep. Like it just. It oh, is, yeah. There's so much. It's a depth issue. I have I have I have intense depth. I am like the you know the aliens in Mars attack. Like I just there's like that it's just sticking out the back. I have the head that like I could have the Marge Simpson hairstyle. It's just sticking you're, out. You're back. like the uh you're you're like the aliens from Halo. Oh my god, yeah. I'm the was the Covenant? Is that who that was? Covenant, yeah. You're, yeah, you're, I'm no, the Covenant. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, Covenant. That's uh, but the the guy's name is not Covenant. The one that you actually is a good yeah. guy who, if you do co-op, the the second person's the alien. I forget his name, someone in A. Um Somebody at home is screaming at us right now, you know that, right? Listen, man, I have not played a Halo game like all the way through since Halo three. So <laughs> I can't really help you. There may be no better high than the final mission of any Halo game. It's usually so intense and balls to the wall, and it, it's like yeah. Halo One was good. Halo Two is fucking nuts. Yeah, Halo, well, Halo Three with the fucking warthog and that thing yeah. was just exploding all the time. Me and my brother had to do that shit. We did it on Legendary. It literally took us all night. We yeah. did that shit for like four hours. It ruins friendships and you know siblings. Anyways, well, what do you think of this match? I I actually like this match. I think this is one of the better ones of the bunch. I think I'm so not- too. I'm not going to say it's the best one because I have a, a strange attachment to one of these matches that I think you're not going to agree with. I think I know which one it is, though, and I can understand it. <laughs> but but this match specifically, this one's pretty good. Um, my only gripe with this match, Chono, we got to talk about that haircut, man. All right. Describe for the people. I can't even do it. That's the weird part about it. It's like, what is that hairstyle where it's like kind of like blown out a little bit in the back and it, it gets like a little wavy and then it just rounds out at the bottom. He's kind of got that bit going on, but at the same time, it's a mullet. But at the same time, it's like perfectly chopped at the front. It's like it's like a weird combination of things. It doesn't work. It, it There's no, it's too much. There's too much. There was like a sheet of hairstyles and there's like, which one do you want? And Chono just pointed at the page and said all of it. He said, I want one. Yeah, it's like how it's because it's like blocked off. There's four in a row and then there's like a bunch of rows down. He's like, he just pointed at a row and went that one. <laughs> yeah, just give me, give me all of column B. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, t- I'll take them all. Uh, the kind of, what would you describe as the arching story of this one? It seems like, like obviously Chono has a speed advantage in this yeah. one. And he's just trying to wear Hashimoto down. Hashimoto just has the strong just like that's his whole move set is just I'm bigger than you. Yeah, I mean it, it very much is just Chono working from underneath. Um he he's trying his best I would say to the the whole match is basically built around Chono doing his best to try to get Hashimoto to submit cuz I don't think he thinks that uh he's going to be able to get him down for a pin yeah. or some of some kind. And it's a lot of leg work. There's a leg lock there's a single leg, like there's a lot of leg work yeah. going on. And, and Hashimoto he, actually returns favor and does leg locks too. Yeah, he does that. Chono, you know, he throws out STFs. He throws at one point he throws on a calf, uh, calf slicer that, yeah. that was pretty pretty gnarly looking. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's really just Chono working from underneath, which is is not something you see very often. Because I would say of that era of those three uh, musketeers, he's really. Chono was the one that kind of went through and became the the face of the three. Yeah. Which were there any moves that you saw in here that you're like, I need to like make note of that. What a beautiful move. What a good. Yeah. Moment. Uh, okay, give, enough, give, give me yours. I'll tell you what the lock at the beginning was very intense. It was very good. It was insanely intense. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. 
later on in the match, there is a really good... Oh, I got to find it again. So I was going through and I, I was like, oh, I got to remember to talk about that one particular move. And well, while you do that, I want to talk about the, sl- the, the slap uh, that, that Hashimoto hit Shono with that absolutely dropped the man. Yo, he, sl- <laughs> he killed him. The move that I was trying to remember is a little later on in the match. Chono hits one of the easiest looking Samoan drops. Yep. And one, Hashimoto's a big boy and he's getting bigger as this, as these matches are going on at the beginning. Seriously. <laughs> and one, I also feel like I never see Samoan drops in like this era of Japanese wrestling from what I've seen. I mean, I've never seen a Samoan drop or I'm sorry, I'm, I don't I don't want to say I've never seen it, but I never see a Samoan drop hit by someone who isn't Samoan. Yeah, and then Chono really like, I've got this. Let me. I went on an excursion. Let me show you what I learned. Yeah, The Rock taught me this one. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's it's weird, man. That um, one st- th- stood out to me too. Plus, Hashimoto does this drop kick after. So he there's an STF locked in by Chono for a while. Yeah. Then Hashimoto does a drop kick to kind of like get some space, and then hits a picture perfect fucking Street Fighter leg sweep. Like it's incredible. For such a big guy, he has one of the nicest leg sweeps I've ever seen in wrestling. He moves so fluidly, too. Absolutely. I think that's what's really like the, the jarring part about that leg sweep is just how smooth he's able to do it. Like there are people who are uber athletic and very like functional athletes who can move very fluidly who can't do that. Even if you, even if you obviously, if you don't know how to do the move, obviously, but like if you can do it, like I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people in martial arts who can't do it that cleanly. No, not the way that Big Boy Hachimoto does. Uh, at one point here, it's really cool. There's a really cool spot where uh, he, so he throws on a kimura, uh, and then he's like, "Ah, oh, shit!" Where you know he's starting to break out of it a little bit. Hits a Saito suplex. Yeah, and then just fucks him up with that. And then he's like, "You know what?" Grabs him and it, he he to the common eye, it would be a belly to belly. Yes, but for me, I realize no, it's basically just kind of like a judo throw, a little hit yeah. toss. It's a belly to belly because he lands on his back, but it's a takedown. He took he, he did a basic takedown yeah. with it. Uh, he went right into a pin. It's a near fall, and then follows that up with a bridging German. That honestly, I don't know how Chono was walking still to this day. Yeah, that's fair. Chono got folded up like a lawn chair put away for the winter. Like, it's fucking nutty. Like, he's just... It's like, all right, we won't see you again till May. Uh, let's let's move and talk about the finish a little bit. Hashimoto puts Chono up, hits him with a suplex off the top rope. Hashimoto's kind of in control. But then they trade instagiris, both yeah. connecting pretty well. We get Hashimoto with repeated knees to the chest, a move he loves, where you kind of go into the front face lock DDT position and just rail with knees. Hits his brain buster move which is nasty. It's nasty. He gets the person like deep in there. Like they have to fold up real, like an accordion. He gets a two count and then we get a swinging DDT and Hashimoto gets the win. I do love the variety of things he can finish matches with. I will say there aren't many visuals that you'll see better than uh, the one towards the end of the match where Chono puts an STF on. And Hashimoto is bleeding out of his nose. Another trend that's kind of weird that happens in a couple of these matches. He bleeds out of his mouth and nose in three out of five. 
Yeah, it's like fucking John Moxley these days, just fucking bleeding yeah, every true. match. Uh, and when he throws on the SDF, Chono has these like white wrist straps or like wrist tape. Um, and it, so when he's wrenching down on the SDF, the blood is just trickling on the tape and down his arm. And it's just, it's a fucking gnarly visual. Yeah. It's weird. DDT was sick, gross. though, because it's, it's, it's a DDT. So he, one of his like signature moves is a DDT. Um, it, uh, Shimoto, that is. And, and at the end, he just kind of takes it. Instead of just falling straight back, he adds like a little bend to it. So he like brings the motherfucker snap. around with them. He like whips him down into the ground. It's kind of crazy. It's the it's the bend and snap from Legally Blonde. <laughs> bend and snap. I'm Jesus taking Christ. the dog. All right, let's take a break. When we get back, we're going to look at a match that neither of us liked very much. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Back from the break, we are at New Japan's show on December 13th, 1994. Hashimoto has lost and regained the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in that time, losing it for one whole month to Tatsumi Fujinami. We are looking at his title defense against Hiroshi Hase, and this match is not very... It's not for us. Look, my best way of describing this is if you are really into like brazilian jiu-jitsu and like you know a, a grappling game yeah grappling uh and, and that whole world you'll probably enjoy this match uh because fucking 85 percent of it is spent with both men down on the mat in some variety i had only two notes nine minutes in i did not time i have a pretty substantial amount of notes i will say for this that's more because I'm a fucking nerd. I was like, okay, there's an early figure four by Hase. Lots of groundwork. Headlock takeover, arm lock by Hase. Kneeing the leg of Hashimoto, another figure four. And I was like, it's been nine minutes. I will say I love Hase. Like He's generally one of my favorite old-timey uh, Japanese. I say old-timey, but like old, Japanese old-timey. <laughs> this is fucking 30 years ago. Uh but yeah, he's he's generally one of my more favorite guys because of that. He's he's very much built uh, as a ground type of guy. But man, there's just something. There's something this. missing. It's it's just like they they had a lot of chemistry as far as the ground stuff went. I just think they went to that well a little too often. Yeah. You know, you know, um, that, it's that weird feeling where you know two wrestlers are really good, but then you yeah. watch the match, and you're like, ooh, something was just not right. It's this Shinsuke Nakamura AJ Styles issue from that that whole time yeah. after Mania 34. Or the AJ Styles Kevin Owens feud for the US belt. That That's Shane that McMahon's part. fault. All right. Okay. Sure. It's Shane McMahon's fault. Whatever you say. I 
because I was getting distracted with how much fucking groundwork there was. Hase has a mustache. Please rank for me your top three wrestling mustaches. Number one's Rick Rude. Number two is Rick Rude. Really? Magnum TA. Oh, well. <laughs> They're the same mustache. It's just the two same different mustache. guys. Yeah. Who's three? Um, Man, that's. Oh, wow. See, I. Okay. Three for me. It's not really going to count, but it's it's when Triple H just kind of had the mutton thing going for him. When the I Lemmy, just, he was doing the, the Lemmy. Yeah. When he was yeah. rocking the Lemmy, honestly, I kind of fucked with it. I hated Triple H, but I kind of fucked with that. Yeah, and he got really puffy for a while. Yeah, he got <laughs> puffy for a while, and then he went on a ring of terror, all that, just a reign of terror, all that jazz. Uh, mine's Mustache Mountain. That's a fair. I yeah, mean, they got no. mustache in the name, you know? His name is Tyler Bate. It's fucking... It's, uh, com- it's Trent. Trent it's Savage is the better yeah, mustache. Yeah. Trent Savage got the best. Also, shout out to Trent, AEW. Yeah. Look at him doing good stuff over there, although he's not really used as often, which kind of sucks, but you know what? Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. Uh, any specific things you want to talk about in this match? Um, look, man, at one point here, I have a note that just says, uh, does Hashimoto just always snort coke or something? What's up with the nosebleeds? Yes, uh, because it's now two straight matches where the bleeding happens. And it happens pretty quick, and it's weird because there wasn't really any, like, face stuff. <laughs> no, it was all leg stuff. Yeah, I mean, at one point, I, mean, I will say the first figure four that's put on by Hase is the weirdest application of a figure four I have ever seen. You mean where he's, like, almost lying on top of Hashimoto? You know, he just doesn't... When you do the figure four, you got to do the twist because that's yeah. how you get your leg wrapped. He doesn't do the twist. He just fucking... Boom, he, he puts the leg across and then sits, and that's it. He also is so able to sit up so far that he is, like, looking into Hashimoto's eyes. Hey, man, sometimes you just got to look into the dreamy eyes of your opponent. When they get up off the ground, which is, like, 20 minutes into this 28-minute match, we get some really good moments. We get a scoop slam and a huge senton by Hashimoto that the crowd yeah. popped for immensely because they were waiting for something different. Uh, we also get a Absolutely. top rope elbow drop by Hashimoto. Yes, that which was top me. Uh, then we get this great moment where uh, Hashimoto hits a DDT. Hase pops right back up. Couple strikes. Hashimoto hits another DDT. Hase up again. Chops, slaps. Hashimoto knocks him down. And then Hase with what I described as like a capture Uranagi. As Hashimoto's yes. running the ropes, which was beautiful and also effortless for such a big guy. Yeah, I just wrote kind of Uranagi. I didn't really know. Because <laughs> he like snags him on the way by and just he, he doesn't get as much like torque on the Uranagi as you'd usually expect, but he does get it. It's a rock bottom without it's the honestly, theatrics. It's honestly just basically a reverse STO. He just kind of just drops the guy. But I think it looks more impressive because of how big Hashimoto is. Yeah, and then he levels Hashimoto with chops, uh, hits a tornado DDT, uh, hits a twisting. Yurinagi, which is always cool. Shout out to Solo yeah. Sokoa for using that as his move. I've been very impressed with Solo Sokoa. I have also been very impressed with Solo Sokoa, but it's it, I think with Solo, it's more so because he incorporates more, a little more of the Samoan uh, like style to, yeah. to him. Like there's a lot, you see a lot of Umaga in his wrestling. You do. You really, really do. Really cool. Um, 
and, and yeah, I mean, it, it, he Hase in this match then basically just does a reverse STO. I refuse to call it a Nuranagi because he literally just kind of trips the guy and falls forward. <laughs> like, um, and then we really just get to the finish. There's a choke um, that Hashimoto gets out of. He puts on a bridging German for a two. He hits a Northern Lights suplex for a near fall. And then he, he follows all that up with a spinning heel kick. Uh, it's a fisherman buster that looked fucking gnarly as hell. It's li- it's literally like second cousins to a muscle buster. Like the way he's holding yeah. it and everything, I was like, is he gonna muscle bust him? And no, he just lands him on his the, you know the top of his fucking head. But yeah, that, I mean that's the buster part. That is the <laughs> that's the buster. That's <laughs> Arthur's best friend. Yeah, oh yeah. That's- He's got his own spinoff show that I fucking loved. Uh. Buster is the Joey of Arthur. <laughs> oh, well, fuck off. No, I loved Buster's show where he just kind of traveled the world. <laughs> I can't I don't think I ever watched it. Oh, man. It came out. Well, obviously, I mean, to, admittedly, you might have been in fucking college when it came out um, <laughs> with your old ass. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I was watching that. I was probably like nine years old when I was watching that. Okay, so, so yeah, eight, I, I was 14 then. So, yeah, so I doubt you were watching fucking PBS. Um, <laughs> Anyways, Hashimoto won with that Fisherman Buster because if that wasn't the finish of this match, I no longer believe in wrestling. Nothing. You telling me this is scripted? Uh, after the match, a familiar face from last week or the week before comes out to challenge uh, Hashimoto. It's Kensuke Sasaki. King. Yeah, king shit. He looks so different. He doesn't have the goatee or anything. I no, know no. I knew it was him is because he had his name on the back of his jacket. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, okay, I I know him. That's great. Oh, my God. Let's move to our fourth match. It is from New Japan Battle Formation in Tokyo, a fantastic fucking name for a show. Why did we ever do okay. Great Balls of Fire? It is April 29th, 1996. Of course, it's IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Hashimoto is the challenger against Nobuhiko Takata, who is the challenger or is the champion? You mentioned in the the list where we keep all the matches. This is the end of an invasion angle. Explain. Uh, there was an invasion. Um, I, I I honestly, it's been fucking days since I looked at this, so I don't remember what the invading company was. But it's kind of like how CZW invaded ROH for for a while there back in like two thousand six um it, it's it's kind of a it's one of those deals Takata, Takata was uh the 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 head honcho of the the other faction came into new japan uh hashimoto was basically taxed with the whole uh you know babyface uh new japan savior and he was part of the union of wrestling forces international which yeah, whatever that means. Former <laughs> Universal Wrestling Federation comp- uh, wrestlers and a couple oh UWF, of okay, yeah, it was the UWF, UWF invasion angle. Yes, uh, this was a UWF invasion angle. Takata was the guy over there, uh, and this is basically just you've got your fucking. This is essentially your your uh, Hogan versus Rock type situation there. I would say probably not really, but kind the of Hogan Rock part of it was. The initial where on October 9th, 95, Takata had a match against Mudo, which drew 67,000 fans to the Tokyo Dome, largest crowd and gate in Japanese wrestling history at the time. And then three months later, Takata would defeat Mudo for the heavyweight championship. He would then lose it. 
in the match we're talking about right now against Shinya Hashimoto, the gate for this show that we're talking about, 65,000 people, $5.7 million in the year 1996. Fuck me. In today's <laughs> money, that's probably somewhere in like the $9 million that's fuck. That's bank right there. Probably somewhere in the $9 million range, if I had to take a guess. But man, it's I will say at the beginning of this match, when they show Hashimoto the headband, the the fit, everything about it, it's literally it it's nothing uh, different from what it did before. But for some reason, that headband was fitting on, on a little too perfect, and the pants were looking immaculate. That man lo- was looking good. It was a fit. Uh, for context, five point six million in in ninety uh, six is worth ten point five today. Jesus fucking Christ! That is that's a lot bank. of fucking money for that's one bank. show. That's bank right there. Holy also, fuck. Because I looked it up because I want to see the card. There is a wrestler you would not guess on this card. Is it a- Sting? No, you're in the right ballpark. Randy Savage is on this card. Oh my God. On like loan from WCW, and he defeats uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzan in a match. Oh, he beat Tenzan. Okay. Yeah. Which that sounds super fucking cool. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, Tenzan is probably, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really consider him to be to be one of those big guys. Um, but still but no, that that's match. yeah, it's it's still a cool name. It's it's one of those things where like if you put that in a trivia, like nobody would get. <laughs> is this the match that you really weirdly like? Yes, this is the match that we actually. I'm gonna say I, I want to say yes, but it's actually no. It's the last match. This is a match that I weirdly like. I also look like <laughs> but, I thought it was gonna be this one. But no, this match, I, I do think this is the best match of the bunch, personally. Yeah. Um, I think objectively, this is probably the best match of the bunch. But the last match, I don't know why. It's just my favorite one. That's fair. I think what really sells this match is how much the crowd hates Takata. They, Bro, the crowd was the reason for this. Yeah. They really sold it. They hate Takata. And I knew nothing about Nobuhika Takata before this. That man has a great heel face. He's got resting heel oh face, you know? Holy shit. There are just some people that you look at and you're like, holy fuck, they look like a heel. Eric Young, after the year 2008, just looked like the biggest heel in the world. Bobby Uh, Roode. Bobby Roode. There's no way that anyone can look at Bobby Roode and be like, that guy's a baby face. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Dolph Ziggler. If you well, it's not even just the face; it's the entirety of Dolph Ziggler. You look at Dolph Ziggler. How the fuck is this guy a baby face? Exactly. Takata's got that in spades. Yeah, he's got that in spades. He looks a bit generic, um, as far as the look goes. I will say. Yeah, as far as the the overall look. Uh, but man, it doesn't matter because when he's going, when you're going up against Hashimoto, it doesn't matter what the fuck you look like. You better get ready to get your ass beat. Takata, there's a test of strength to start. Hashimoto gets the advantage. Takata with an arm bar doesn't get fully locked in. Hashimoto just stands up. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, all right. Yeah, it's like a side takedown. Um, Hashimoto then just like kind of pins him down. In a, it's, a, it's honestly one of the more creative counters I've seen. Uh, just just kind of pins him down, gets a two count off of it. And then he at one point, there, there are just some kicks by Hashimoto. Massive kicks. Brother, the way he's landing some of these, I was genuinely a bit concerned. Um, I was like, is is, is Takata going to be okay? Like, these are fucking hard, man. We get some rapid knees to the stomach by Hashimoto. We get a really quick roll-up by Takata. Hashimoto's too close to the ropes, though, so he doesn't even kick out. He's just too close to the ropes. Uh, 
I didn't know what to call the arm submission that Takata locks in after that, but or sorry, the Hakutani. Yeah, oh, the Fujiwara arm bar, the the back. Yeah, the, the, the one where he kind of just has him like, yeah, that's that's the the salt of the earth, MJF yeah. arm bar. Yeah. Hashimoto hits some of the nastiest leg kicks I've seen outside of like actual fights. Yeah, man, it's Takata's <laughs> like, poor legs, brother. At one point, he I believe he kicks uh, Takata on the inside of his leg, like yeah. the, inner, the inner part of the knee. He crumbles. Uh, kicks him a couple times after that and then just throws on a figure four because he's like, well, this guy's fucked. Yeah. Locks in the figure four. Takata escapes, hits a back suplex, another arm bar. This one's a little locked in a little deeper. Transitions into a single leg crab when he notices Hashimoto's going to escape. So he's trying to ground the big guy. Makes sense. They then face off. Takata hits a huge head kick, which is he's got to yes. get up there to, to reach Hashimoto's oval noggin. But then Hashimoto counters with his leg sweep and this one doesn't even knock Takata off his feet like it doesn't cut his feet it just pushes him back yeah which I think honestly it's because he, he really just catches one of the legs so he kind of sends them stumbling backwards yeah, he, he falls backwards um, Takata at one point here does a counter into a Fujiwara arm bar yeah. um, Hashimoto though says fuck all this it hits the, it's the kick to the gut man yeah, that shit. Like I looked at that and I was like, I literally the way I would vomit all over the mat if he did that to me. <laughs> like I would not like the only shot that I don't throw up in that situation is if I had literally just eaten nothing all day. Yeah. But even then, like a little bit will still come out. And you're like, oh, that's from yeah. two days ago. Yeah. Uh, that's some fucking uh, some ramen from a couple of days ago just came out. Oh, no, my oatmeal. Uh, yeah. Huge kick to the to the stomach. Takata's down. A bunch more kicks. Fisherman Brainbuster is avoided by Takata, but then Hashimoto hits a DDT for a two count. We then crowd's going insane. Crowd's hyped. We cannot. We cannot sell how into this the crowd is. Also, because I always we always got to talk about the quality. This is a direct rip from somebody's VHS. Brother, I even think the VHS might have had better quality than this. This quality is. It's not the worst thing we've watched this on this podcast we've watched worse qualities than this but Way it's worse. like it's that weird oversaturation that happens sometimes on old tapes it just looks so grainy it's it's grainy and the colors are a little too wonky you know they're a little too colory there's too much color it looks like if skinamax had had finally shown up a little bit on the on the fuzzy <laughs> channel and you're like oh my god and you That's can such a dated reference <laughs> all of my references are dated you know Sir, you're 31. You're not fucking. I know. I, I, I mean, I talk about the olden times. <laughs> the we olden used to go times throw jacks man. down by the soda fountain. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyways, uh, Hashimoto falls that DDT up. The crowd's going crazy. Falls it up with a brain buster. Yeah. Uh, instead of going for a pity, immediately slaps on like a like a triangle, a little bit of a triangle choke, like kind of wrenching on the arm a little bit, um, which it, almost immediately gets a tap out. Uh, by Takata, Hashimoto wins. New Japan wins. We got a new champion. We are going to take a break. When we get back, we are looking at one more match for Shinya Hashimoto. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back from the break, Hashimoto would reign coming out of this win against Takata for a then record-breaking 489 days, a reign in length that has since been surpassed by who, Javier? How much was it? 489 days. You know oh, who it's Okada. It's Okada. It's Okada. <laughs> I mean, come on, in terms man. of combined days as champion, where do you think Hashimoto falls all time for the IWGP Heavyweight Ooh. Championship? I'm going to assume third. He's fourth. Oof. Can you name the three men ahead of him? Um, Okada, is it Okada in the top three? Yet? Okada is one. Okay, yeah. As I of recording, Okada has a combined 1,790 days as champion. Okay, I'm going to assume Tana, Tanahashi. Is number two, 1,396. And third, oh my God. Is it Nagata? Is he usually Nagata? Nagata is seventh with 570. Oh, is it Tenryu? It is not Tenryu. Is it Chono? It's not Chono, but you're getting, no you're getting warmer. Brother, I have no fucking One idea. One more musketeer to think of. Is, it fucking, is Muda? It's Muda. Muda at 1238. Hashimoto, the only other guy above 1,000 with 1,052. So that's who's up there. Because I know the crazy part about that is Okada's fucking 34. <laughs> yeah. Because I know you're curious, I'll tell you who the fifth one in the top five is. It's Fujinami, 785. Yeah, there of you course. go. Yeah, not a surprise you at all. Basically covered everyone that I would have mentioned. <laughs> Let's now look at another accomplishment from Shinya Hashimoto, which is winning the 1998 G1 Climax. But the G1 Climax 98 was not the G1 Climax that you and I know today. Instead, it was a... Just it was a single elimination King of the Ring style tournament. That was yeah, how pretty much that year. Yeah, that's just the way that they they used to kind of break it. In. It wasn't the round robin all the time. Sometimes it just looked this way. We're looking not at the finals, though. It is a spoiler that I've told you already that you know Hashimoto wins the damn thing. But we're looking at a second round matchup, and it's Shinya Hashimoto versus Jinichiro Tenryu. So that's that's a, that's a good matchup right there. Yes, sir. I looked at this bracket. There's one name that stands out as to why the fuck is this guy in. There's only one Gaijin in this whole thing. Okay, 1998. You, I will bet you actual money. There's no fucking way you would know who's in this this tournament. Who would it have been? 1998. Is there? Would it be too much of a giveaway if you had told me what company I would know them from? You would know them from WWF. Okay. Um, in 98. Fuck me. Uh, it's not that. Ooh. Is it too cold? No. He goes by the name Big Titan. You might know him as Rick Bogner, and you will know that name better as Fake Razor Ramon. Oh, wow. 
That is the only Gaijin in this tournament. It's Big Titan, a.k.a. Fake, fake Razor Ramon. He Jesus loses Christ. in the first round. Who did he lose to? Uh, to Dao Yasuda. Okay. <laughs> Two guys yeah. I don't really know very well. Shout out to Rick Bogner. Anyways, this is the match that I thought it was like a it was like a favorite of mine of All the right. bunch. Uh, I, there's just I don't know, man. Maybe it's just because tenure at this point is a little older. You can see his you can see his pecs dropping a little bit. Uh, his his outfit's absolutely outdated. But man, it's just it, there's just something about the style here. Uh, where they are just chopping the absolute fuck out of each other from beginning to end. It just kind of felt different uh, when it came to, you know, when you look at all these, the previous matches, there's a lot of a ground element to them. Yep. Uh, it's a lot of methodical kind of working. Whereas this one, these two guys just kind of beat the fuck out of each other. I will say one of the things that I think changes here is the big like Haas, you know, strong style that I think they were going for with Hashimoto Vader in the first match has been refined here. Hashimoto's better. Uh, Tenryu yeah, is bigger. Tenryu is refined. And it's not the entirety of the match, but it has those big spots. It's a little bit more reminiscent of what you'd see in some current classic matches. Obviously, the spots aren't the same, but like the highs and lows kind of mirror a little bit more what we were used to. In yeah. like what I would consider like a big Japanese style match. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, uh, Hashimoto goes through and hits a leg sweep, um, gets Tenryu in the corner, starts hitting corner kicks. Uh, absolutely, Tenryu just fires back with some jabs when this is happening and catches Hashimoto. Yeah, he knocks him straight on his ass, and yeah. then the ref comes through and like yells at him, and then he just pushes the ref down for absolutely yeah. no reason. <laughs> Fuck this guy. And fuck this guy. And then they have a chop fight. The first of fucking many. Hashimoto um, wins because he's strong. Well, Tenryu's hitting hitting, uh, hitting over or, or a regular backhand kind of like the normal yeah. kind of chops. Whereas Hashimoto's in the overhand uh, like uh, north-south kind of chops. <laughs> yeah, Tenryu, he's a north-south runner. Tenryu actually originally wins. He kind of gets the, the better of Hashimoto. He stumbles, yeah. Hashimoto regains his composure, hits some more chops. Hits a fucking spinning back fist and drops Tenry. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful spinning back fist. Uh, then, you know, they're throwing hands. Tenryu hits some right jabs, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, then Hashimoto with a spinning heel kick off the ropes. Something yes, he does really well. He He's really good at throwing his weight around, I would yeah. say. Um, it's something that uh, Miro... Uh, Rusev is yes. also pretty good at, and, and honestly, kind of similar builds. Obviously, yeah, not a not a bad comp. Yeah, obviously, Miro is more um, fit, I would say, yeah. than Hashimoto. Hashimoto is very much a, a doughy individual, which I'm not going to judge. I mean, I think he, as far as looks go, was very much uh, unique in this time period for himself, and um, I think Worked. that contributing. Yeah, that contributing with his style, you know, the guy was one of the most popular Japanese wrestlers, not only of all time, but in this time period. So Hashimoto reminds me of farm strong kids. You know those kids who, <laughs> Brock who Yeah, you know those kids who were like raised on a farm and they, they just did labor and then they you know they try a football and they're like, You're the starting tackle because yeah. you're the strongest fucking person his, we've ever his seen. His name is Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah. 
Hashimoto has that kind of that kind of strength where you're like, he doesn't look fit, and then he just launches a person. You're like, oh, okay. So he'll kick the shit out of you, and you're like, I want to die now. Uh, what would we just so after the spinning heel kick, we get the the head scissors like triangle chokes. What would you describe or what would you call that that uh, Hashimoto locks in? Oh well, it's just kind of like a he puts on a Juju Katani first, and then he kind of just transitions it into a triangle, which yeah. is really just a triangle. A triangle you can put on from multiple positions, but he know, likes he likes it from he likes it from the top. <laughs> yeah, he likes it from the top, which is you know if you're a top, you know I'm not gonna judge you. <laughs> Live your life, you know. Yeah, you know, do what you got to do. At one point, this transition—the uh, transition from that happened after a chop fight on their knees. They were just chopping yeah. at each other while on their knees. Um, Hashimoto gets—they they get back out of that submission hold into another chop fight. Hashimoto, Hashimoto gets staggered by chops, and then there's more chops. To which I just write so many fucking chops. Jesus Christ! Hashimoto's chest is red at this point. Which. Honestly, with the quality of these videos, it's it's it, the fact that you could tell is a bit amazing. The quality of this one's not bad. This might be the cleanest quality of any ones we, we watch this this week. You're not wrong, but also like still, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another chop, or sorry, uh, Tenryu hits a running clothesline, follows that up with an Enziguri, um, and then there's another chop fight, and then Hashimoto hits a DDT, and then there's another chop fight. <laughs> It's a lot of chop fights. Uh, Tenryu ends the chop fight by hitting a fucking rolling kick. Which, if you had asked me how is this chop fight going to end, I would not have predicted rolling heel kick by the old man. Would that have been like any in the top 100 of guesses? No. <laughs> yeah. I would have I would have assumed that like they decide to finish this over a game of Rock'em Sock'em Robots first. <laughs> I'm trying to pick the oldest fucking references I can think of now. I would assume that Godzilla was bust through the building before That's they right. did that. Uh, Tenryu hits a hits a power bomb. It's the, probably one of the lightest power bombs I have ever seen in my life. I don't think he <laughs> properly gets a hold of Hashimoto. It's not the most graceful power bombs, but I wrote like it's it's, it's it happens. It's light, man. Uh, Hashimoto, honestly, there's not a lot of impact on that impact. Um, it's it's basically modern day impact wrestling, uh, and then there's a stack for a near fall. Uh, he follows that up with a scoop slam, hits a reverse drop into an el- or, or he goes into he goes up to the top rope and he does an elbow drop, but he jumps backwards. Yeah, Darby Allen's coffin drop, but instead of with coffin drop, it's an elbow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dope. I've never seen that. Hashimoto is out on his feet because uh, Tenryu is hitting him with the jab. Tenryu goes to the top. Hashimoto hits a spinning heel kick to a diving Tenryu, which was maybe the most unexpected maneuver of any of these five matches. Yes, uh, absolutely. One, I didn't expect Tenryu to go for a top rope splash. Nope. But two, usually when you get those, it's like a flying nothing where they're like kind of just jumping at you rather than an actual splash. But Tenryu was fucking splashing. Like that motherfucker went and he changed his angles. Yeah. Um, and, and he just ate that kick. Uh Hashimoto follows that up. At one point, they get to the top. He gets a superplex, uh, a final chop fight, and then we got the finish of the match, which is just a DDT from Hashimoto. One, two, three. He wins. Hashimoto, like I said, would go on to win the G1 Climax, which was just a bracket tournament. After Tenryu, he defeated Satoshi Kojima and Kazuo Yamazaki in the finals. It's his only G1 Climax win. Yeah. And... Hashimoto would start another wrestling company in the year 2000 because he was released really? in New Japan and he, along with another wrestler, started Pro Wrestling Zero One, which is a name you've heard. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, he gave up ownership of the company in November of 2004, telling the press that due to financial problems, he had decided to step away from the company. And unfortunately, Hashimoto would pass away of a sudden brain aneurysm on July 11th, 2005. Yeah, man. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit tragic. You know, it's always tough when someone who's a pillar of a company, um, if at, at, honestly at any point in time passes away. Um, but man, it's, it's, it's even tougher with, with a guy like Hashimoto because you, you saw the highs, you know. he's You mentioned it. He's the fourth longest reigning IWGP champion as far as combined days total um, in history. You know, he's he's one of those guys who you could probably tell influenced, <clears throat> influenced a generation of those, you know, bigger wrestlers, uh, Japanese wrestlers of a time period. Like, I could definitely see a guy like Ishii or, or you know, uh, the people around that ilk um, yeah. really, really getting a lot of influence from a guy like Hashimoto. Um, and, and it's, it sucks, man, because, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's, he's someone who probably still had uh, a lot more in the tank as far as uh, his career in wrestling, whether that be in the ring or out of it. Um, and, and unfortunately we, we didn't get to see that final chapter. Yeah. Tons of uh, tributes came out to Hashimoto after his passing uh, there, the the New Japan immediately retired the second IWGP Heavyweight Championship belt because Hashimoto was the first person to actually get that belt. It started during, I believe, his long reign, so they had a new one and had a debut. They actually had to use the second one again because that new one they lost it when Brock Lesnar left New Japan and took the fucking belt <laughs> yeah. with him. So they had to reuse the second one for a little bit, and then they had a new one um, on March second, two thousand eight. IWGP Heavyweight Champion, a guy we all know, Shinsuke Nakamura, visited Zero One for an anniversary show and uh, won a match and then kind of gave, he gifted the second IWGP title belt to Hashimoto's son, Daichi, who is an active wrestler right now. Oh, shout out to Daichi. Daichi Hashimoto, who is currently signed to Big Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, two-time strong heavyweight champion there, three-time tag champion. So yeah, very, very good stuff, kind of carrying on the family legacy that way. That's awesome. I love when that happens. I love when you when you know really successful people end up having children who at least get a get a taste of, of success in the wrestling business. Clearly, uh, Daichi's been able to do that. Hashimoto, very well accomplished, very well. We talked about them a lot. IWGP Heavyweight Champion three times, two time Tag Champion in New Japan. Uh, he won the Super Great Tag League twice. He was part of the class of twenty ten greatest wrestlers. He was, you know, Tokyo Spirit. He got an achievement award uh, posthumously in 2005. He was the wrestler of the year in 94. Part of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, class of 2000. Tons of things. He won the Triple Crown Heavyweight Championship in All Japan one time. Like, he did, he did it all. That's honestly, seeing him as the wrestler of the year in 94 is a bit crazy because we covered, uh, especially in the Kobashi episode, fucking bangers in 94, man. Yeah. But they gave it to Hashimoto. That's awesome, uh, and, and honestly, it might be deserved. Um, you know, there's a god, there's Kabashi, uh, uh, to, you know, and, and and all those boys, Misawa, all those guys. They just they had to they kind of ate off of each other's plate. Whereas Hashimoto was really just kind of carrying the company on his back by '94. I'm looking at the Tokyo Sports uh, MVP award, like the best wrestler award. I find it interesting that Shinsuke Nakamura never won. 
I think it's more so because Tanahashi was just so big of a draw. Yeah. At that point. Um, I assume Tanahashi probably won it every year from like 2008 to 12, 13 range. And then. So 08, Muda, uh, uh, 09, 09, Tanahashi, uh, 2010, uh, Sugura, 2011, Tanahashi, 12, 13, Okada, 14, Tanahashi, Okada, two years in Naito, Tanahashi. Honestly, I'm shocked that Okada won in 2012. Um, he was when he came back, he was not popular. Obviously, he was a heel, but he was also just not popular. The, the, the people they didn't love it, yeah. I mean, hey, they they fucking learned the rainmaker's that fucking guy. That's true. Uh, rainmaker is but that yeah, guy. man, that, that's awesome. also that guy. I really like who's that fucking dude. Um, I really like this, yeah. this week. Yeah, I mean, hey, we reached that point of GP, uh, of the episode. Evan, this was your first taste of Shinya Hashimoto. Obviously, you've given nothing but favorable reviews so far. Yeah. But what were your thoughts on Shinya Hashimoto? You can understand the draw in a gen- in a, an era where you just didn't have guys who look like him. Yeah. It's nice to have somebody who stands out for the size, for the agility. Somebody who I think should be mentioned in that same breath of like, wow, a big man who can move. He's not as big or maybe not even as agile as like the Bam Bams of the world, but he can still do both. He's still a big, strong guy who can do a little bit of everything. I think, again, similar to when we uh, look at some of our other wrestlers, like I think if I watched this, I would have been like, that's my guy. Very similar to Kenta yeah. Kobashi, where if I was if I was a, a, a fan growing up at that time, I would have designated uh, Shinya Hashimoto as one of my guys. For sure. Yeah. Um, I I think the real thing that kind of sucks for us is that we weren't able to get like some sort of promo or some sort of like setting like that. Cause I'm really curious to see honestly what his personality yeah. uh, would have been like. Cause he it's different from Kobashi in a way, because Kobashi very much could just feel from the way that he wrestled and how he carried himself in his matches that he was definitely like the superstar kind of guy, like the you know, your John Cena's uh, your 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 I guess Roman Reigns in a way like he 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 very much had this presence about him that like just oozed superstardom. Yeah. Whereas uh, Hashimoto is very much in the Misawa kind of way, like just a workhorse, like just different from everybody else, just really uh, just just popular and different uh, for for different reasons. And I I kind of just want to see what his personality was like. I want to see if he's really like a, a charismatic individual in that way, or if he was more just all about presence and just being like, you know, like, yeah, his personality wasn't out of this world or anything, but the way he carries himself and the fact that he looks so different was the reason why he was on top. I'm just curious to see where the blend there was. Yeah. So if anybody but, has a little bit more experience or can understand Japanese promos, tell us a little bit more about Hashimoto's uh, personality. We'd love to hear. Yeah, about please it. translate, you know, <laughs> and find us on Twitter to do that at crossbody of work. Also find us on Instagram at crossbody of work as well. Javi, where can people find you on social media? I'm on the Twitter machine at JMLO Sports. It's in the bio of the main profile. You can't miss it. Mine's also there at Seven Gomes, I T S E V A N G O M E S. Of course, go wherever you're listening and rate the podcast five stars. It helps us out tremendously. Also, be sure to go to fullpresswrestling.com to find the links to all the matches that we covered here today. They're not on Peacock or New Japan World or any of those uh, streaming services. They're all online. Thank you to the people who ripped their tapes and put them up on Daily Motion. We love you endlessly. All the links are there, fullpresswrestling.com. 
fullpressshop.com to cop the merch, support the boys, buy a new t-shirt for yourself. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be nice? If you haven't already, go back and listen to our last mini-sode. We talked about Monsters Ball 2. It was the wackiest fucking time in the world. It was fucking great, and we were kind of delirious by that point. Absolutely were. And if you want to hear us at full delirium, our last mini-sode that's coming for this month is Kevin Owens versus John Cena Elimination Chamber 2015. I think somehow we snapped back into good wrestling analysis for a little bit at the very end, but the beginning and end of that episode is complete unhinged nonsense. So that's a Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. Go listen to that. Our last episode of Japanuary is somebody you know and love as a current wrestling fan. We are covering Io Shirai, but we're just covering Io Shirai in stardom. No NXT, no Western matches, just stardom things. Yes, just stardom. I'm fucking so excited. I'm re- I really cannot wait. I'm just going to spoil it now. I cannot wait to watch the Mayu Watani match. That match is fucking insane. I am so intrigued because I obviously saw that, you, that we had Io Shirai. I was like, wow, that's so exciting. I wonder what NXT matches we're going to pick. Javi picks none. It's all stardom all the time, giving stardom their flowers. I'm excited. I think I've seen one stardom match in my life. So let's increase that by five next week. Honestly, I'm kind of shocked that it's one. <laughs> yeah, you thought it'd be zero. I really did. Yes, and I, I named thought the it match. No. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, but I, know, I don't remember, but I f- distinctly remember watching a stardom match because you know you, you ever go through those YouTube rabbit holes where you're like, oh, I'll click on that. No, I'll click on that. Oh uh, yeah, sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it had started with like, I don't know, that fatal four. Remember that fatal four way Intercontinental Championship match like Owens, Zayn, Miz, Cesaro. Yeah. That I'm sure it started there, and I was just like looking at the side, and I was like, ooh, like somebody, ooh, and I got into a weird rabbit hole, man. <laughs> At one point, you were just watching fucking Mato Sadamora going up against like Kyrie Sane or some shit. I was like, I was like, this is that good shit. I like, I, I thought really I could understand Japanese. Yeah, it was one of those. <laughs> you're where you're, you're fully lost in the sauce. All right, join us for our mini on Wednesday. Join us for our regular episode, of course, on Saturdays. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, Javier. Any final words for the people? Man, you know, honestly, this week is it's more just. Uh, it, it's it's really hard to give out advice uh, when really the advice is just be cherish uh, everything you have, man. Uh, yeah. If if this week has taught us anything, it's that it can all just go away in an instant, uh, at any point, super unexpectedly. Just cherish what you have, uh, cherish the people in your life, cherish the things in your life, cherish the experiences you've got going on. Uh, live life to the fullest. I'm very much one of those people that that you know tends to to just push things off to the future. Like you know, I'm really excited for what's gonna come. I'm really excited for all those all these like experiences I'm gonna have. Uh, fucking go make them, man. Um, it, it's 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 one of those things where you know life could end tomorrow. Uh, and you know it's it's better to have those experiences on the way out than to never have them at all. You know who really summed it up really well that I saw on Twitter is Mustafa, uh, Mustafa Ali. He tweeted out, and I'm going to read it verbatim. Seeing all the love for the ones we lose is beautiful, but it really got me thinking. How tragic is it that they don't get to see it? Someone inspires you, helps you, does whatever for you. Let them know. Start giving out them flowers and love while they're still here. Yes. Ali might be one of the wrestlers I'd love to just like sit and hang out with. He's just, fucking amazing. He just seems like such a smart individual. I want to hang out with yeah. him. Yeah. So listen, like listen to Ali. The, 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 words, the, the final words of advice this week. Go listen to Mustafa Ali. Yeah, go listen to Mustafa Ali. Give your flowers and appreciate life while you still have it. Because 
like I said, it could, it could all go away in an instant. So better to give flowers, better to have to, to live life than uh, the alternative. So come on, guys, let's go out there. Let's just do the damn thing. Let's do the damn thing. Rest in peace to Jay Briscoe. We're back next week with more wrestling content. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you then. Peace for the sky, boy. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.